0: You're listening to Your Best Life, powered by Mercy One. Join us as we have a fun conversation with certified experts and physicians about health topics for you and your family. It's Your Best Life, our one purpose. Hey,
1: everybody, thanks for listening. Today, we're joined by Dr. Scott Hines, and I'm going to let you introduce yourself, Dr. Hines.
2: Uh, my name is Scott Hines. I'm a general and trauma surgeon at Mercy One Waterloo, as well as Mercy One Cedar Falls. Uh, I do a lot of robotic surgery as well as
1: other general surgery and trauma. Cool. So today we're going to talk about robotic surgery.
0: I am so excited because I'll tell you what, I've heard this, this term for a long time in healthcare, and I know some friends who've had surgery with the robotics and had great success, but I don't really know what it's about. So it's great having you on, Dr. Hines. Um, my first question for you is, what actually is... Uh, the da Vinci robotic surgery? What does it actually do versus what human hands would do?
2: So in traditional laparoscopic surgery, which people think of as keyhole surgery or pokehole surgery, your instruments are all straight. They don't bend, they don't turn, except for the very tip. And usually the tip, it can kind of go around and it can open. And so it's really only, you know, two dimensions that it's able to operate in. Uh, with the Da Vinci, when you make about the same size holes, um, and you can have up to four arms with the with the Da Vinci robot, what you're able to do is you put your instruments in, and then you sit at a console. And the difference between the consoles with with regular laparoscopic surgery, it's a 2D image with robotic surgery it's basically like you're sticking your head right into the patient's abdomen or wherever you happen to be operating like you're like literally virtual reality inside the patient
1: i was going to say it kind of, it kind of it seems like vr where you yeah. you're, you have your you're you're sitting at a at a station and you are you have your face up against like basically kind of like a goggles or a screen correct
2: yeah it's a it's a console you insert your head in there and there's a few safety mechanisms like your your head has to be in there for anything to work and so on and so forth so so it, it it's very safe. It's not like this robot's gonna go rogue like <laughs> on uh, the Terminator movies. That's
0: but what I was imaging.
2: <laughs> but it's basically like you're there. And so when you put the arms and the instruments that they have, the wrist action of the robotic attachments is you know basically you can hit just about any angle you want. And that's something you just don't have in laparoscopic surgery. And so it makes it a lot easier on the surgeon because with laparoscopic surgery, sometimes it almost feels like you're standing on your head in order to hit the angle you need to hit. With the robotic surgery, you can change any kind of angle you want. You can even, so we use scopes that look 30 degrees up, 30 degrees down, sideways, whatever. You can sit there and Switch it from up to down with a push of the button on the console as the surgeon So sometimes there's times you want to switch things and look up and then you're satisfied with what that looks like because you You know for whatever reason that you wanted to look at that and then you flip it back down before With the the previous version of the robot they actually had to take the camera out Switch it and put it back in and so it's just that much faster and in my opinion that much more safer uh, for the surgeon to be able to change the
1: viewing, basically at will. So there's a lot going on. We talk about cameras and instruments, but we have to remind, like this is all still pretty tiny. You, you mentioned keyhole, pinhole. Yep. So this is a mini- eight millimeter incisions. Okay, and so wow. that's kind of where we, when we talk about minimally invasive procedures, by using the robot, the robot, that's how we do those minimally invasive. Is that correct? Yes. Is, is there minimally invasive without a robot?
2: Yeah, that would be like laparoscopic. Okay. So, like little small incisions, take like your gallbladder out or your appendix. Because we don't do robotic appendixes just because there's a lot of a, there's a lot of setup involved with the robot, and it's just as easy to do uh, appendectomy with a okay. with a uh, with laparoscopically. So,
0: I guess that brings me to my question: What type of surgeries do you use or use this for?
2: So, uh, inguinal hernias. Which are groin hernias, uh, belly button hernias, uh, other hernias of the abdomen that may have occurred as a result of surgery or you know sports injury or what have you. Uh, we can remove your colon for colon cancer or diverticulitis with the robot. Uh, we can. Re- I have a spleen that we're removing in the next two weeks. I think uh, there's what they call hiatal hernia surgery, which is where your esophagus goes through the hole in the diaphragm, which is a, is a normal hole there, but you can get your stomach can come up in there. And that, you know, it's uh, also what well, people get reflux. And so what they do is they take the stomach and they wrap it around the esophagus. All that is done robotically. Wow. I mean, and again, all these surgeries can be done laparoscopically, but with the robot, the, the times are comparable, but the strain on the surgeon is not near what it is laparoscopically. Um, and, you know, you get much better visualization. Because remember, laparoscopically, you're only getting that 2D image that's on the mm-hmm. screen.
1: Now, I want to make sure that we define this a little bit, because we do have listeners that, that were, they're not medical folks. Yep. So when you say laparoscopically, I said that probably that's wrong. That's
2: the poke hole, keyhole surgery. Okay. That's, when everybody thinks of minimally invasive surgery, that's what they think of. Okay. You know, small incisions, where they, you know, the first surgeries that they did laparoscopically, actually, it was a French gynecologist that took an appendix out in France. Okay. Long time ago, um, and then came the advent of that to take your gallbladder out, which is okay. one of the more common surgeries.
1: And so this is just another method of doing it, but just through a robot versus your hands. Correct. Gotcha.
2: It really helps. It, it doesn't necessarily help like with with the gallbladders necessarily. Although there is a procedure with the gallbladder that's gaining some favor with younger females that have to have their gallbladder out, and that's what's called a bikini gallbladder. And so you could really never pull this off leproscopically, but basically what they do is they make the incisions in the bikini line so that they're not visualized. if she wants to wear a bikini sure. you know, yeah. for the rest of her life or whatever. Um, so you make the incis- incisions there, and then you bring all the instruments forward and take the gallbladder out that way. Because of laparoscopy and not being able to manipulate the wrists like you can with the robot, I don't know that there's anybody that can do a laparoscopic bikini surgery. Okay. And so that's something that's starting to gain favor uh with uh, younger women,
0: <clears throat> you mentioned you know this is really great for the the physician because they can see better with the 3 d versus the two d. What about um, as far as how much training do you have to to be trained on something like this
2: so there's a training program that the intuitive repre- uh, the, the reps um, take you through, uh, and that's you know time at the console, time working with the robots, suturing things like that, and then you usually go to Atlanta training on pig tissue. So they have pigs that you can take their gallbladder out, take their colon out, take their spleen, whatever. And then there's also human cadaver training for things like inguinal hernias because there's not a great biologic inguinal hernia model uh, on any animal thus far. And so we use human cadavers.
1: So is that like months long training, years? No, you go down there for a day.
2: It's a, it's a very intense, all two days. Uh, the first day is some classroom work, and they go over uh, videos. Usually they have a surgeon who's well-experienced in robotic surgery and kind of teaches that. And then there's a pretty intensive lab version where you're actually doing the procedure.
1: But from start to finish, like <coughs> if, if, if a surgeon wasn't trained on the robot, it would take some practice, right? It takes
2: two or three weeks okay. to you know, get enough experience that you're ready to start with you know, regular patients. Gotcha.
0: So, so if I'm a patient coming in to have uh, one of those surgeries, is my recovery time shorter because of the amount of time that you're in doing surgery with me or is my pain less or is that the same? It Should depends on the, the surgery. Same? Okay.
2: I think for the gallbladder, it's probably equal to laparoscopic surgery. I think for colon surgery, it's a little bit different. So, uh, plus Again, being able to hit different angles for for colon surgery. Like I had a uh, gentleman who had colon cancer uh, last week that we took out the right side of his colon for colon cancer. And he he probably could have gone home post-op day one, but I just wasn't comfortable Mm -hmm. sending him home. It was more for my benefit than his. Uh, But he went home post-op day two. Uh, He's doing very, very well um, and hasn't had any issues or complications from that surgery. And a lot of that is just being able to hit those angles and you know it's a shorter operative time usually Mm -hmm. than laparoscopic
1: so each person's experience might be a little bit differently Mm -hmm. different but but overall um because it's minimally invasive there are are several benefits to having a robotic surgery experience
2: yeah so especially you know there's a lot of surgeons who have not adopted laparoscopic anal hernias because it's it's done different than where than basically how you would do do the uh, robotic. Okay. And so without that big incision, it's I mean, it's not huge, but it's about, you know, eight, nine centimeters, give or take of an incision that's in the groin. Uh, those incisions typically hurt. And I've had several patients who have had an open hernia on one side and they come to me because, you know, 50% of inguinal hernias are bilateral at some point or another. And so the other. Good thing about robotics is you're in the belly. So there was a gentleman two weeks ago again where we were there to fix the left side. Lo and behold, he had a hernia on the right side. And so we were able to fix them both hmm. right then and there. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't like in two years come in with a symptomatic writing on a hernia that could have been fixed. Okay. So it okay. saves him time, money, recovery. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I was. I want to get back to kind of what happens during surgery. You talked a little bit about how you sit at the, con- at the console. What do you do with your hands? So you sit at the console, and you have
2: basically these, for lack of a better term, we'll call them joysticks. Uh, but basically, you put your hands on them, and you can turn your hands, and it automatically turns the – robot arms and instruments in the belly. You can grab, you can pinch, uh, there's different attachments and different kinds of uh, instruments and what they do is basically it's simple as pushing a button, pulling the instrument out, take the other instrument, snap it in, push it in and you're, you're good to go. Right. And the robot, no matter what instrument that you're putting back in, remembers where the previous instrument was. So literally you just snap it in, push it forward and it'll stop where the other instrument was placed. Wow. That
0: sounds pretty awesome. And so, <laughs> yeah. I mean,
2: the technology that goes into this is amazing. You know, Dude. one of the things that helps, like when we were talking about gallbladders, there's without, I'm going to try not to get too much in the weeds with right, the technical yeah. details, but it's called Firefly. Okay. And what it does is they give you an injection of what looks like green juice. And your body takes that through the, Circulatory system through the heart, through the through the arteries into the veins. Well, what that does is you have a special ca- that the camera has a special adaptation where it sees only a certain wavelength of light. Right. So you can change it by a touch of the pedal and a touch of the the joystick. You can change it, and everything light that is uh, that is supplied by the uh, endocyan green, the green dye, all of a sudden lights up green in the abdomen. So for instance, when you're doing a gallbladder and you might have a lot of inflammation you're not really sure of the anatomy, and it's very important to know the anatomy, you can hit that, you can give that that medication, hit the light, and then you can see exactly where the bile ducts are because they light up like green tubes. (laughs) That's pretty cool. So uh, in addition, like with the colon that I had, one of the issues over the years with colons has been, what's the true blood supply to the colon? Well, you don't really know. I mean, it, unless you, when you make your staple line uh, and it starts bleeding, I mean, then you know you've got a good blood supply, right? Sure. So what you do is you give this green dye and look at it, and it'll the whole colon will light up green to the point of where there's blood flow. So if you're working with a piece of the colon and it lights up green, green until about a centimeter or two to the end, you know that you can't anastomo, So You can't use that area of the colon. You have to take more off before you put the colon back together or it's going to fail.
0: You know, it's interesting just listening to you. My husband had diverticulitis so bad he had part of his colon taken out yep. 3 years ago. And we didn't have this piece of equipment or what, you know, at this time. So, I remember the surgeon saying that she had to really focus on getting that measurement of making sure that there was proper blood flow yep. to reconnect the colon so I can see yeah. the Immense importance of having that green light, uh, you know, for you guys to work on someone's colon. To and here at Mercy
2: together. One Waterloo now we have the technology to do it with the robot or an open surgery. It
0: would have been wonderful back, back so, then. So <laughs> I mean, it,
2: it, yeah, it really makes a it's a huge game changer, especially even with like breast reconstruction. They can give them the medication. They can see what the blood flow of where they're going to reconstruct the breast for breast cancer looks like. Uh, there's all kinds of different uses and adaptations that you can use it for, and it really—it's an amazing technology. The advance
0: of technology is so crazy; how quickly it changes and how much it can do to advance people's health and wellness much quicker.
1: I know that there's a lot of cool things that hospitals are able to do through technology. For some reason, the robotic surgery is one of the ones that I always think of because of sitting down at the console. It's really taken
2: off. So I finished residency in 2011, and then it was just barely kind of making its foray, at least where I was in Columbus, Ohio, into general surgery. And the gynecologist had started using it because it, it made their their lives a little easier and they got a better, it, the optics, it's like, you know, the difference between a portion of Pinto. I mean, mm-hmm. it really is. Or yeah. your grandma's TV <laughs> with uh, the, you know, it weighs a hundred pounds right. and one of those new, you know, 4K ultra HD, Uh, TV cameras, it really is that different and and crystal clear.
0: I love the analogy of a Porsche to a Pinto because (laughs) that's exactly how I see it.
2: So, I mean, it's like the Pinto will get you there, but the Porsche has so many more bells and whistles and comforts and, you know, it's all about getting people back to their normal function. And that's something that a lot of studies don't look at. They usually look at, you know, days in the hospital and shortening that stay.
1: Sure.
2: Um, time of surgery and shortening the time of surgery, decreasing the amount of time a patient's under anesthesia. But nobody really looks at time to back to full functional status. And I think that's something that, you know, somebody will look at at some point and say, hey, you know, with robotic surgery or even what we call um, ARIS protocol or ERAS, some people call it enhanced recovery after surgery. So we're already doing some of that here Um, It involves, you know, giving Tylenol before surgery, giving some Celebrex and either Lyrica or Gabapet, some medications that decrease patients' pain preoperatively so that they have less pain postoperatively. Because, I mean, let's be honest, usually what limits mobility, other than, you know, if somebody is an elderly patient, if somebody is an elderly patient, what limits them is usually mobility and pain. And so if you can, with these protocols, the whole goal is to, of course, decrease opiate use because we all Mm are well aware of the opiate epidemic that is upon us and continues to rage on. Um, But if we can decrease the amount of opiates a patient needs and get them back to their usual state of health, back to work, back to whatever their normal life is after surgery, shortening that time is going to benefit patients the most.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: So is robotic surgery pretty common now in the bigger hospitals or or not? It's even becoming common at some small hospitals. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. We're a little
2: bit cooler only because of the fact that we had the generator that we have for dividing blood vessels is the E100, which is like the, it's fresh off the the assembly line. Is that the vessel sealing technology I read about? So it is the... Best tech- technology you can get out out there, and so you know I used it, you know last week with doing the gentleman with the colon cancer and getting that colon cancer out of there for him. And it was amazing.
1: And I think you mentioned that Mercy One Waterloo Medical Center is only the second hospital in the state to have that. Yes,
2: Grinnell's the other one. And so you're just able to take larger vessels that normally you would either have to staple or clip. And that also decreases surgical time.
1: And it probably does that impact like how much the patient would bleed during the procedure, like less bleeding? Yeah.
2: So I mean, it seals everything up. Uh, and it, you, you can take much larger bites than you can get away with with some other vessel sealing devices.
1: We could probably do a podcast on every feature that the uh-huh. robot offers, so yes. I don't want to get into too deep yes. there, but it's pretty cool to to hear about some of the stuff. Yeah,
2: I mean, it's really, like, it's just taken off uh, over, especially the last five to six years, where, you know, gynecology has really adopted it for their uh, hysterectomies or, you know, other things that, that they do, uh, but mostly it's been hysterectomies. Uh, but what's really taken off is the adaptation for general surgery, uh, particularly for, like, colorectal surgery. They use it quite a bit, particularly with what we call a low anterior section when the a tumor is pretty low in the colon and the rectum. Okay. Um, I know that they're, they're using it that way. Um, you know, we're, the adaptation for just general surgery procedures has taken off. I don't even remember the last time I did an open inguinal hernia. Uh, I do them all robotically, and my patients, do. like I said, they do very well. Like the gentleman said, oh, my left one hurts so much. This one, you know, it was a couple days it was tender, he said, and then he's like, you know, then I was hardly aware that I had anything done, but I had to remember to take it easy right. and still, you know, mm-hmm. abide by the restrictions even though I felt really good. Sure.
0: So I do have a question. If I was a patient listening and I and I know I have a hernia or issues with something going on and I'm seeing a surgeon – And I can I assume if I know they have the da Vinci, because I've seen it on the walls, you know, that we have a da Vinci or they do robotic surgery. Can I assume that the surgeons, all surgeons would be doing this type of surgery or is it something a patient should ask for?
2: A patient should ask who in a department or a group does robotic surgery because not everybody does it. But as far as, yeah, you know, when you're calling for an appointment or at the appointment, uh, you know, ask, is this a robotic procedure? Or, you know, I usually explain robotics to everybody Mm -hmm. because it's really kind of a little disconcerting for them Mm -hmm. when their incisions are above the belly button for a groin hernia. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the thing of it is, is for the robot to work efficiently, you have to be 20 centimeters away from the where you're working. So your incisions are nowhere near where your actual
1: site of surgery is right
2: and that's similar somewhat to to a laparoscopic surgery too
1: so like people go through like the armpit to get to different places to, for different procedures is no it different not not really oh okay no, never not, mind not <laughs> not I'll that, that crazy but uh
2: but like your incisions will be above your belly button for a groin hernia which is down low mm-hmm. okay and so you have to be 20 centimeters from where you're working otherwise believe me i've been there it's not fun i got gotcha. you if you if you shorted yourself
1: i've been like thinking like of a cath Thing. Yeah,
2: that's, yeah, does that sound yeah. Awesome, they, that's well, they go they, well thinking. with with uh, heart casts. They can go through your wrist now,
1: right? Okay, it's
0: yeah. amazing.
2: Which is because it's amazing. all done. It's all done over guide wires. Yeah, if you can get a guide wire
1: in something, you can do anything. Wow,
2: it <laughs> seems amazing. like.
1: So the patient journey does that begin then at the, with their primary care provider office to to then get referred or?
2: Oftentimes, yes. Some directly call our office, but usually that's a referral from a primary care provider.
1: When we were talking about all the different benefits, and obviously your mileage may vary, but overall, smaller incisions, perhaps an earlier discharge from the, of the hospital, faster recovery time, less, less pain. less pain medication—like yeah. those are all great things. So, well, and it, you
2: know, and, and much more difficult surgeries can be performed. I mean, you look at some gallbladders where um, you would have to open if it was laparoscopic mm-hmm. because you can't see where the anatomy is and so with firefly and you have all these tools at your disposal with the with the robot i've seen people be able to pull gallbladders out uh that you would have never gotten out laparoscopically it just wouldn't have happened wow you'd have had to open and an open gallbladder is i mean it's a big deal mm-hmm. you know nobody wants an open gallbladder right be yeah. included
1: yeah yeah dr scott hines thanks a lot for taking some time with us today thank you for having me you bet Sherry you were talking about how how uh you were visualizing this. I did want to say that we actually have a video of um the DaVinci XI that they're working with um on our YouTube and website. So we'll have to link that in the episode description if people want to see Dr. Hines and he's actually sitting at the console yeah. doing stuff, so.
0: I'm going to I I'll look at that because as he as he talked about it, I did envision him, you know, doing it and it sounds so cool i'll definitely check that out
1: i I mentioned like vr earlier like you know you see the video games where people are like strapped on the goggles not quite like that but they do set at this Mm -hmm. console they put their face up to it pretty pretty cool Hey, if you've got any feedback on this episode or just want to say hello, head to our form on our website, which is mercyone.org slash podcast. And that's where you can also find all of our episodes.
0: You know what? We also, we love that feedback. And we did get some feedback, Adam, from Monica in Sioux City. She said, great episode on the ABCs of heart health. That's episode number 53 if you're listening and want to listen to that. Thanks for the message, Monica. We really appreciate your feedback.
1: Yeah, hey, and we got some feedback from Cheyenne. She said we had some great information in our episode about the COVID-19 vaccine. That's episode 51 if you want to click back through. Thanks for your comment, Cheyenne.
0: And for you listeners out there, you know we love your feedback. So we'd love to hear about what you think of today's episode with Dr. Hines on robotic surgery. And uh, give us feedback. Right, Adam?
1: That's right. Yeah. If you're listening, send us a message too. Until then, live your best best life. life.